Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated by the obstacles you face? Well, you're not alone. The Resiliency Ninja is here to help. Allison Graham is a speaker, author, and business coach. But most importantly, she's on a mission to give you tools to succeed in times when it feels like life sucks. Now, here's your host, Allison Graham. Welcome back to the Resiliency Ninja podcast. I'm your host, Allison Graham. And this show is for you if you are a business owner or a high achieving professional who's committed to personal and professional development. No matter where you are in your journey, you'll need to be resilient every day. And guaranteed, you'll face obstacles along your journey. And it's up to you if they'll stall your progress or propel you to profit. In today's episode, my guest is someone who was caught up in a whirlwind of obstacles and used that reality to go from hot mess to mindful mom. Allie Katz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I can't wait to hear your story. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little bit of your more formal bio so that people can hear a little bit about the public success story. Now, Allie is a certified meditation teacher and certified life and parenting coach. She has been featured on ABC News, NBC News, Fox News, in the Houston Chronicle, in the public news, and various other outlets. She is the author of the best-selling book, Hot Mess to Mindful Mom, 40 Ways to Find Balance and Joy in Your Everyday, and Get the Most Out of Motherhood, A Hot Mess to Mindful Mom Parenting Guide. Now, Allie has a third book on its way. It's One Minute to Zen, all about dealing with stress in the moment, and it will be released in November 2018. So now let's go. That's the public success story. And let's get the private story behind the public success story. <laughs> so again, welcome, welcome, Allie. What's that? Those are always the fun ones, right? Well, and this is the thing, you know, the reason I started this podcast and really the Resiliency Ninja journey is because I know I would get caught up in it and other people would get caught up in it. And they would say to me, oh my gosh, it looks like so easy for you and you're having so much fun and, you know, you're in the media and all of this work. And they had no idea the hell I was going through behind the scenes. Okay. And it, it sounds like you've gone through something similar. Like I'm curious, a hot mess. What what does well, a hot mess look like? <laughs> well, it's funny. People say to me, were you really a hot mess? And I say, I was, but I didn't know how much until I wasn't anymore, if that makes sense, right? Oh. Like when you're in the hot mess phase, you don't realize what a mess you are. But when you start to transform and transition your life to a better place and you look back, you're like, God, I really was a mess. And I think what it was was internal because from the outside, it looked like I had all my stuff together and, you know, I was a good mom and I was, you know, I just emotionally and mentally was caught up in the wrong things. Mom drama, comparison, judgment of myself and others, just kind of a mess when I look back. Like that is really how I lived my life. I can't believe that's, those are the things that I spent my days focusing on, right? And it just felt so yuck. And, and at the time, though, I knew something was missing inside, but I didn't know what, and I didn't really know how to get it. 
I was happy but not happy inside, if that makes sense at all. It um, absolutely does, yeah. So then when I started, it's funny, um, the universe really pushed me. I started following the breadcrumbs that we all get. It's whether we all get kind of signs and the universe can totally help us along our journey if we're willing to pay attention to what is put in front of us. And I did. And that's when my life began, began to change. And um, do you want that full story or do you want me to like kind of skate over that? Well, I, I don't want to skate over anything. I want it all. Uh, but I this is like a little, it might be a little out there for some of your listeners, but if everybody could just keep an open mind, because this is my story, this is what happened. Well, I'll so, tell you the resiliency ninja, like listeners are the best. They love okay. the juicy bits. So okay, you're, you're in a safe environment. Okay. So basically when I say the universe pushed me, this is how my transition began. Regular mom drama, all that, still living in that life, like knowing inside something needed to change, but not knowing what and not knowing how much I needed to change. So there was an event at my synagogue that I totally didn't want to go to, but my friend was chairing it and I forced myself out of the house. And there was a young rabbi speaking and my friend leaned over and said in my ear, oh, his sister is a really famous medium. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'd never even thought of a medium, heard of a medium, cared about a medium. And I was like, great. Two weeks later, I'm in California having dinner with my best friend from camp that I haven't seen in like 10, 15 years. And in the middle of dinner, she says, I had a reading with this medium. It was like so amazing. And she tells me the name. And it was the same name that I had heard of two weeks ago. I was like, that's so cool. I just heard of that person. Still clueless. Then a week later, a friend said, my mom had a reading with this medium. She was so amazing. Same person. And I literally threw my hands up in the air and I said, universe, I may have missed every sign you've ever given me in my entire life, but I will talk to this woman. Okay. Because obviously I keep hearing her name because you want me to talk to her. So I book an appointment. It takes me six months to talk to her have this great appointment. And the very last thing she says to me is, I want you to meditate. Okay. Never had I thought about meditation before, but I'm very good at following directions. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, the universe must have, have a plan for me. So I literally started meditating and that transformed, that began the transformation of my entire life gave me a career. I mean, everything changed with that message. I want you to meditate. And it's because I followed the breadcrumbs. You know, I paid it. I just kind of perked my ears up and started paying attention. And that started me on my journey, which literally changed everything. You know, I, I call them the guideposts for the universe. And I agree that those are there for us. I'm curious if you, with your clients or even with your friends or even back in the day, did you ignore them? Because you mentioned in your story, I'm sure I missed all the other ones that you've ever given me and I'll take this one. Was it, was it just not innate for you to no, it just watch? Wasn't. It just, um, it just, I, I guess I wasn't open. I was so focused. I wasn't present enough to probably even see them or hear them or pay attention. I had my attention on all the wrong things instead of being present in the moment and having my attention on the right thing. So I probably missed them all. They were there. I just didn't see them or notice. So right. then I really started paying attention. And that's sort of how 
I've built my career is, is paying attention to the signs, following the breadcrumbs, learning at, you know, 36 years old. I'm like, whoa, I have an intuition. This is what this feels like. You know, learn. <laughs> I, I say meditation was like dating myself because I was getting to know myself and falling in love with myself in a way that I never had before. You know, I really got to get in touch with what does feel good to me. What do I want to do? What do I think when I take what everybody else thinks out of the equation? And that was a turning point, truly. Was getting to know yourself in that way scary at the beginning? Or were you expecting that that was actually going to happen? Um, it was a little, it wasn't scary at all because I really felt ready, but I did have to face things. Um, I mean, I had some meditations that turned into me being a heap on the floor, hysterically crying, processing something, releasing something, letting go, learning a lot about forgiveness, true forgiveness. I've been through a lot of hardship in my life and I spent a whole lot of time, I think it was my defense mechanism saying, oh, the universe has given me all these tests and all this hardship to show me how strong I am. And that's what I thought for a long time. But what I came to realize through all the personal work that I've done over the years is that the true point of it was to learn how to forgive, not say I'm over it, not say, pretend I've forgiven, but to truly, truly forgive and get to a place where I could feel neutral about something instead of triggered and emotional because that is how I knew that I really had forgiven. And so that was a huge thing for me. So that did come out of a lot of this work. And I won't say it was scary, but I won't always say it was comfortable either. Right. And it's pushing through that comfort zone. Absolutely. You know, you can't sweep anything under the rug. I spent so much of my life trying to do that. It doesn't work. Um, you know, what you resist persists, it follows you. So I had to really not try to get around feelings and emotions and issues, but really just work my way through them. And I gave myself the space to do that, which allowed me to move forward in a much more productive and healthy way. So the forgiveness journey, are you willing to share an example of something like, was it family related? Um, yes. There's a lot of stuff that happened with my dad. It's like, too long to even get into all of it, but I'll give you some highlights. Okay. Um, this is very personal, but I do talk about it in my books. I get very personal in my books and I feel like, you know, it's scary to put yourself out there in such a vulnerable way, but I got so much feedback from people reading the book saying this helped me so much. Thank you so much for putting this out there. And that's why I share because none of us are in this alone. If we're going through something, chances are someone else is too. And I always say nobody has, you know, no one has like all the claim to hardship and we all have it in one way or another. So my struggles might be different than someone else's, but they're just fine. Right. Um, so lots of family stuff, horrible divorce. Um, my dad actually went to jail when I was 14 and when I was 21. Um, and he went to jail when I was 14. There was a lot of manipulation from the divorce. I actually wasn't talking to my mom at that point. Um, we reconciled after about two years of not talking. That's a whole nother thing. But, um, but when my dad was in jail, I was living with his girlfriend. We weren't getting along. And I had a conversation with my dad 
while he was away that his girlfriend was kicking me out of the house. And he was really sorry, but he needed her to take care of the house. And I was just going to have to find somewhere to go. So basically at 14, I was kicked out of my house. And that was the moment. I mean, I'd say my childhood started ending when I saw my dad taken away in handcuffs, but I'd say it officially was over when I got kicked out of the house. And um, I lived with friends for six months, and then I finally reconciled with my mom, and which you know was a long time coming and was the right thing, and, um, and then moved in with my mom. But it was a huge sense of abandonment that I really had to work through and really, really had to um, learn to forgive my dad for. Because it got to the point as an adult, it was something still so weighing on me that I it got to the point I didn't even want to be around him. And I never stopped speaking to him, but it just I just couldn't take it anymore. And I really had to process those feelings and work through that being able to really forgive him, which was huge and changed a lot for me. So that's kind of the highlight of that story, like as condensed as possible. But when you're like you have those abandonment issues that makes a lot of sense obviously right it sounds very tragic and challenging and when you came into adulthood did you feel that that abandonment was still like did you assume other people were going to abandon you or leave quickly or was did you have trust issues yeah looking back with friendships like i didn't have a lot of trouble with friendships as a kid I found a, I, I find adult friendships I don't know if you find this too adult friendships are actually a little more challenging to navigate or maybe they were for a while because I still had all these issues to work through but I find that the more work I do on myself the better it gets with friendships but I did have a period of a lot of insecurity around friendships and I think it was all tied together to the abandonment issues well, and I would guess too, if a lot of your friends were sort of caught up in the mama drama that you mentioned earlier and all of that, I think as we grow, our friendships change and that's what, and the people we need to have in our lives change as well. And so sometimes friendships don't fit the same mold because when we grow and they, they right. Yeah. So it's a, a different dynamic. A lot of insecurity that I had in general that I had to work through. So I, Looking back, I'm like, God, I just made bad choices. Like I didn't have the right filter sometimes when it came to choosing friends. And now that I'm in so much more connected to my intuition and what feels good, and I've studied energy for so long and I work so much with energy, I can really feel if it's an energetic match or not. And if it's not, it doesn't mean the other person is a bad person at all, a wonderful person. It just might not be a match for me. And I can really see that. And then I think the challenging part is actually listening to that. Like it's one thing to have the intuitive little tug that says this probably isn't a great connection. It's another thing to take action to not pursue that connection. Well, yes. And about a couple of years ago, I made the mistake for the last time, which led me to teach a lot about intuition and I actually created something called the intuition journal. So after the last time that I didn't use my intuition and I didn't listen to those red flags and I didn't filter out someone that really was not an energetic match. And um, I then created an experiment for myself where I kept an intuition journal. So for 30 days, I wrote down every single time I got an intuitive hunch 
and if I listened to it and if I didn't, and what happened if I listened to it and if I didn't. And that was an amazing experiment for me because it really showed me that there were every time I didn't listen, something bad happened. And not something catastrophic, but even like, here's an example. Um, my kids were playing soccer in the hallway. And I was like, I really need to tell them to stop. I know something's going to happen. And I got distracted. I didn't tell them to stop. Okay, they kicked the ball into my favorite table. The leg breaks. My favorite table's gone. You know, oh, I'm, things like that. Like, oh, I really need to, um, you know, take my son's lunch out of his backpack. And he, and I forgot. And because I like got distracted again, I didn't listen right away. And then like my dog opened his backpack and ate the whole thing. And you know what I mean? It's like little things like that, but you have the hunch. You just need to listen in the moment. And every time I did it, you know, something happened. Even like wearing the wrong thing to a party, like getting dressed and having a hunch. I really should wear something different and being like, oh, I don't feel like changing. And then walking in and being like, why didn't I listen? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, like the wrong thing. I mean, just like so many things like that. And then I really, 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 that experiment for 30 days taught me, listen to every hunch you get. And now I do. I'd say like 99% of the time. And so how do you recognize that it's a hunch versus a thought? Um, a hunch is more like, um, it's not as much like, oh, I need to call mom, but it's like kind of an inner knowing. Let me try to explain it. It's like you get a sense in your belly, you, your body responds, you, it's like an inner knowing that you just, you get a thought. It's not necessarily always I either. Like sometimes you just, it's not like, oh, I need to call mom always. It can just be like a flash of a knowing. So it's not as much talking to yourself it's like a knowing that you need to do something. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. That's why keeping track of it is so important. And actually, I have a freebie. That's another freebie that I would love to offer people. I have an intuition journal that teaches you all about following the hunches, and then you can fill it out for 30 days. So oh, wonderful. Okay. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes so people yeah. can click on it because we're also going to offer your five-day guided meditation challenge. Yeah to everyone. So I'll be sure both of those links are in the show notes. Absolutely. I think that's really important because I think those hunches, uh, it'd be really interesting to actually think about the times that you had a hunch that you ignored the hunch, because I think I maybe have hunches all the time, but I don't consciously remember that I had the hunch and whether or not I did it or didn't. I tend to act on them. Well, that's good. I mean, that's what you want. And the thing is, nothing in our life can change without awareness. That's the first step to everything. So just becoming more aware of the hunches and letting it being in the present moment, letting yourself feel them, letting yourself notice them. You know, you might have to screw up a few times and not act on them to be like, oh, no, these are business. Like, I really need to act on them. And, um, you know, just being more aware of your thoughts and feelings and being more present to them is the first step. That's all you can do is just become more aware. So that's you, what I would encourage people to just tap into the feelings and the thoughts that you're getting. So when you were like told to meditate and you'd never really thought about that before, were you at least aware of what meditation was or I is it? Meditation, it, but I didn't really, 
I knew my mom meditated every once in a while, which was just like another reason I was like, oh, that's weird. Cause like we fight <laughs> the things that our parents do when in reality we should do the things our parents do. My mom and I have so much in common now because I do all the things that she does. But um, at the time, you know, still working through all those issues, I probably bucked against anything that, um, that my parents would say to do. So, um, yeah, I was, op I just was, I think I just turned a corner when I got those original signs to talk to the medium. I just allowed myself to open up to like, there is more out there. There is a world, a universe or whatever that is going to help me and I'm going to listen. So I opened myself up to that. So when they said, when she said meditate, I was like, okay, I basically at that point would have done anything. She would stand on your head for 30 minutes a day. I would have been like, okay. I just was like, I'm just going on this journey. I'm just going to do it. And so, but that's what it was. So it's interesting because you actually, in a way, like you overcame the shoulds and the expectations of other people. Absolutely. Which actually changed my entire business too because to bring business in the business side into it the first couple years i was in business i paid attention to the wrong things all the shoulds what everybody else was doing everything my business coach told me to do whether it felt right internally or not you know i had to really work through that and see that if any sentence started with i should then don't because once I let go of the shoulds and really started focusing on what felt good to me, following my intuition, feeling joy, having fun, that changed everything. Because when I was doing, I look back at some of the things that I put out because I thought I should and I read them now and I'm like, oh Lord, that just, how did you think that was a good idea? You can just tell that it wasn't as authentic as everything that I've put out now. It just, I had to work through that in my business as an entrepreneur, for sure, letting go of the shoulds. This medium says you should meditate. So in actual fact- the should was, the should was right. That yeah, was so yeah, but I mean, that's what I think is so funny. It's like- Okay, so let me try to wrap my arms around that. Right. Um, that, let's see. I guess there was nothing in me that my intuition was like, go. She's like, do that. I'm like, okay. Um, that felt really right and, and started me really on my path. I guess once I started growing more, I was able to really discern. Um, maybe she didn't say should. She said, I want you to meditate. <laughs> yeah, that's well, fair enough. <laughs> she didn't use should. But, um, but yeah, I guess I really grew so much so quickly that I was then able to discern what felt right and what didn't. Well, and maybe it was because of the intention. Like she had no, like it was all positive intention for you. There was nothing negative. Absolutely. There was no negative side of meditating, right? No. It's not I like- never in all my years of teaching have never heard anyone say, I like myself better before I start meditating. Right. <laughs> like meditation doesn't cause undue stress. <laughs> right. Exactly. Although ironically, and for some people it does. I have a good friend of mine who's a business owner and she really wants to meditate, right? Like she's like, I know I should meditate. And she's like, I can't meditate. She's like, I get so frustrated. Funny. I make meditation feel so doable and relatable. That's really my gift. 
I work with a lot of beginners because so many people feel that they can't meditate because there's a lot of misconceptions out there about how you do it, what it's supposed to feel like, what happens. She's probably putting a lot of undue pressure on herself of what's supposed to happen when she's meditating. So, so that's why a lot of people feel really nervous about it. I agree she is. I'm like, well, the whole point of meditation is not to have the judgment of the meditation. So right. like, you I know, we can go over that all the time. Your job is to do it, not to judge it. Okay. So I tell beginners, like there's no such thing as a good or bad meditation. Every meditation is good. If you can breathe, you can meditate. And if you sat down and did it, you get an A, no matter what happens in that time period. So you know? walk us through the meditation. Like what is a meditation? So when you say that, it makes it sound very simple. And yet I think there's this vision of meditation. You're supposed to be on the floor with your legs crossed and your fingers you know, up and... Yeah. People overcomplicate it so much. And if I could negate one sentence from the entire world, it would be just clear your mind. I can't stand when people say that because it's giving a false impression of what's supposed to happen when you meditate. Human beings have a thought about every two seconds. You're not going to clear your mind for five, 10 or 20 minutes. Like it's not going to happen. You're just changing your relationship to your thoughts. You're going to realize I have a thought. Okay. I noticed that I'm having a thought, but I'm going to come back to my meditation. And when I say come back to my meditation, I mean, you're going to have a focus every time you sit down. Are you paying attention to your body? Are you paying attention to your breath? Are you using a mantra? Whatever you're doing. And if you need all those tools, come find me, hotmesstomindfulmom.com. I have them all. And um, you basically, every time you have a thought, you come back to your focus. So if your focus is your breath and you're matching your inhale and your exhale and you're counting to three as you breathe in and three as you breathe out, you do that, you have a thought, you say, oh, okay, I'm redecorating my living room in my head. I'm not meditating anymore. Let me come back to my breath. You start matching your inhale and your exhale again. A couple seconds later, you think about your grocery list, you catch yourself again, you come back, you it's your home base. You always know where you come back to. So you know that you might have a thought, but you can release it. You don't have to go down that path of that thought. You can choose to come back to your focus, come back to your meditation. And eventually you might take a couple breaths before your mind wanders again. You find a little space between your breaths. That may happen. It may not. It may take a long time. It may happen your first time. It doesn't matter. As long as you're meditating consistently and choosing to always come back to your focus, you are reaping the benefits of meditation because we're training our attention. And everything we do in meditation is about doing out outside of meditation. So we're training our attention in meditation to be on the present moment, to not worry about the past, to not think about the future, to be here now. So that when you're out in the real world and you're with your family or you're in a business meeting or doing whatever you are doing in your life, you're more focused, you're more present, you're more in the moment because you've practiced it in your meditation. And do you notice that it, it helps a lot when you're even interacting with your kids? I know that was a big thing for you when you started this journey was finding your way to really Absolutely. enjoying motherhood. Yes, and totally. Um, and even as a teacher and a practicer of a practitioner of all of these tools, because I practice everything I teach, just because I'm a teacher doesn't mean I don't have to work the tools just as hard, right? Yes. I do. And so I'm always practicing them. And I am much more present with my kids. And there are moments 
where I'm not. But you know what? I catch myself so quickly and I'll catch myself and I'll say, Allie, this moment, be here now, this moment. You know, one day they're not going to care about talking to me as much. I don't want to miss any moment right now where they want my attention. So I, um, you know, really, really just catch myself. And that's the other thing. People think oftentimes that if you meditate, you don't feel stressed, that you're just supposed to be zen all the time. And people ask me that, oh, your life must be so zen, you're a meditation teacher. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I mean, I have the same stress as everybody else, okay? I have a business that I run, two kids, a house to manage, parents that I help with, I mean, everything, you name it. And I feel stressed like everybody, but the difference is I use all these tools and I have all these tools that help me to recover so much quicker. So it's not, do you ever feel stress, but it's how quickly can you recover? Because stress is never going to stop coming. We live in a fast paced world. We're going to have stress, but how quickly can you recover from it? That's the question. That is the key. And I, I talk about that with the resiliency ninja work is stress, obstacles, adversity is the continuum of challenges and stress, I believe is within our control. It's our attitude towards it. And then we can take the emotion out of the stress and look at the obstacles to actually deal with the obstacles. Absolutely. So on every day, so let, let's walk through this. So when you are having a really quote unquote stressful moment, do you like is there a trigger in your body that says i've got a shift is there just something that you're because you're so aware of it that you notice that you're in stress mode instead of obstacle overcoming mode oh totally and i think the more you become like make the decision to become more aware the more you notice mm. i can notice stress in my body in certain places if my shoulders tense if i feel a little bit of anxiety in my belly if I start to feel a little bit overwhelmed or anxious, that's a signal to me. You need to come back from this. You need to come back to center. You need to use a tool. And that's what my third book coming out in November is all about, One Minute to Zen. It has 35 tools that you can use in one minute or less to come back to center. So I use, you know, I have a daily meditation practice, seated practice every day, but I use one minute meditations throughout the day Whenever I notice that I'm feeling a little bit of stress or anxiety or overwhelm or letting my, you know, feeling stressed about something coming in the future or reliving a past conversation that is not healthy anymore, I will bring myself back as quickly as possible with a tool. And that's what I encourage all my clients and students to do is to really incorporate these mindful moments throughout their day because it's not like you just meditate in the morning and then think, oh, I never have to worry about this for the rest of the day. We have to constantly be aware of how we're feeling, where our thoughts are, keeping our emotions in check. And that's where one minute meditations really come in. So this will be really great because this book will come out in November, 2018, right? So depending on when people are listening to this podcast, it's either you need to run out and get it, or is it up for pre-order at this it point? Is. It's on Amazon for pre-order right now. Okay, perfect. So pre-orders are so important with a book launch. What is it like for you to write a book? Because you're this is your third one. Do you find it a an enjoyable experience or can it be stressful for you? So it's interesting because the first two, when I wrote Hot Mask to Mindful Mom and Get the Most Out of Motherhood, they pretty much fell out of me. They just, Hot Mask to Mindful Mom kind of wrote itself. 
Um, it just literally was like a direct download. I read it afterwards and there were parts I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. That sounds so good. Like I just, it just happened. <laughs> And, um, and get the most out of motherhood. I wrote for an hour a day. It was great. Just totally on schedule. And then the shit kind of hit the fan. If I'm allowed to say that, am I allowed to say that? Sure are. Yep. Um, with book number three. And it was really because there were a lot of learning lessons that I had around this book and the book was going great. And then I hit a huge block, huge writer's block. Um, it was unbelievable. I was like, what is happening? What is going on? I, you know, had a timeline. My book was due on a certain day. I took like three months where I literally did not write anything. And I was like, what is happening? And there was one day where I was deep in meditation and I sort of got awareness around the fact that I still had some issues to work on in terms of self-worth and insecurity and that I and that I'm enough because I kept thinking, oh, one book isn't enough, two books isn't enough, gotta write a third. Like I had worth issues to work through that, you know, I kept I convinced myself that I had to keep going and keep going and keep producing. And that as much as I want was so excited to bring this work to the world because it is gonna change lives and it's gonna be so helpful and amazing for so many people. I had to work around the fact that even if I never did one other thing in my life, I'm enough and I am successful. And once I wrapped my arms around these issues and did a lot of processing around them and why do I feel this way and what do I need to do to overcome this and really facing a lot of these emotions, then literally the book started flowing again, totally finished on time. It was amazing. The book is unbelievable. But it was like a huge lesson right in the middle of this book writing process. And that's why I had writer's block because I had to work on this issue of self-worth. What do you, where do you think that comes from? Is that early in your life? Is that society? Um, I think both. I think, you know, I think looking back um, because of so many of the struggles of, um, my childhood, you know, with my dad and, you know, money and financial things. And I mean, I started working at 14, put myself through college, everything. I think I felt like I had a lot to prove. Um, and I still had a lot of insecurity that I had to work through. And so I had to really get to a place where I felt comfortable with myself that I'm enough just as I am. And it was very freeing, but it took a lot of work to get there. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> it would. Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier about the mama drama. So it's funny because I, I don't have real children, right? I have a fur baby and I haven't had that, that privilege of having real children. Probably why my book is called Married My Mom Birthed a Dog, <laughs> How to Be Resilient When Life Sucks. What is mom drama? Like, give us an example, because here's what I'm imagining right now, is we have a listener out there who is caught up in mom drama. And further to what you said earlier, it's like when you were a hot mess, you didn't even realize you were in it. And I think if we could define that, then maybe that will help some listeners. And it doesn't have to be mom drama. It could be dad drama, I'm sure too, or just uh, fur baby drama. Although us fur mamas don't, tend to have a lot of drama around our fur babies. But anyway, what is so it? So you need to find a new dog park, but not the dog park for you. <laughs> <laughs> no. So what, 
what would be a sample of an example of that? Like, it, it sounds so ridiculous, but it's real life kids in preschool and who's reading first and who's like eating healthy snacks versus crappy snacks. There's like judge, believe it or not, there is serious judgment and comparison around things like that. And it's just, life is too short to be putting energy. It's, it's funny. I say like, I have two kids and my heart is so full and I have not thought about having a third, but I talk about this in one of my books. The only reason I'm ever tempted to have a third is because I would love to raise a child as me now, not getting caught up in all of those things and being as present as I am and as focused on what I'm focused on now. I think that experience would be amazing. It sure would. Yeah. Well, you're still raising your babies now, right? How old are they? They're 11 and 13. So they need me a lot. And they are in those, every year is a big year to shape your kids. But these middle school years are especially so important when peer pressure starts to come in. And that's where teaching your kids about their intuition and what feels good to them and what feels right to them and listening to that is so important. So I still, that's why I love working for myself. I schedule my clients around my kids' needs and that really works for me right now. Um, so it's all, it all came together. It really did. And I work a lot and I work really hard and I hope I'm teaching my kids, you know, about following their dreams and their passions and never giving up. I had a long road to get here. I had a lot of different jobs, tried a lot of different things. Nothing was really the perfect fit, but everything got me one step closer. I learned a little more about what I wanted and what I didn't want. And then when the universe sort of put me on this path of transformation for myself and I saw the unbelievable strides I was making in my own life, I decided I have to share this with other people. And then that's when I finally had a career that I felt really passionate and excited about. And that's why it's taken off because I'm so passionate and excited about it. Well, and what a great example for your teenage kid, almost teenage kids, right? I like hope so. Yeah. I really hope that you can try different things and not everything's going to be a fit and that's okay. And the other thing I had to realize was no one was paying attention. Like at first when I was trying different things and I had a blog that didn't really take off and this and that, I had this thought to myself and I was like, am I a flake? Like, do I look flaky? What do people think? And then I was like, who cares? No one is paying attention. Anyone that loves me just wants me to be happy. And everyone is really too involved in their own lives to really focus on what I'm doing. So I just need to keep on the path and keep trying different things. And I know I'm going to find the right thing. What was the friction when you started changing and not paying attention to the judgment of what the kids were eating, etc.? cetera? What, what was the or was there any friction with the people who were still paying attention? Like, how do you, you know, have people judging your kids' foods and not respond? Like, did, were they upset about it? Like, I'm kind of imagining the movie Bad Moms, you know, where <laughs> Christina, um, what's her name? Applegate is yeah. like, what's wrong with you? Um, you know what? It's interesting because I think I just kind of stopped engaging in that and stopped paying attention, started paying attention to more of the right things. I started working, I started teaching, I started writing. When you're busy with things that you care about and you love, it's amazing what falls away. <laughs> when you're focused on the right things, the wrong things just sort of fall away. So that's what I found. 
and th- that happens in my life, even without children as well. I mean, I think that's a universal. That's a universal. That's not a mom thing. That's a life thing. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And when you focus on the things that aren't helpful to you, you just tend to get a whole bunch more of it. Absolutely. So we really, you know, I felt, I feel that my whole kind of energy and vibration and even just the people that I attract into my life changed because I was putting so much more good stuff out there, which means I was getting so much more good back. Right. Love it. Great way to end. Tell people where they can find you, please. Oh, please find me on hotmesstomindfulmom.com. That's my website where you there's tons of freebies on there. You can find lots of information, links to my books. My books are on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And Instagram um, is my favorite place. And I'm hot mess to mindful mom there as well. Perfect. And you're offering coaching for parenting, for moms. How how does that work? Yes. So I do a lot of meditation coaching, which when I'm working with moms turns into mindful parenting coaching because it's all so interconnected. You do not have to be a mom to work with me. I work with tons of people that also aren't moms. My books are really more focused for moms. One Minute to Zen, though, is really for everybody. Um, But I work with lots of different people. I work with men, women of all ages, from teenagers and clients in their 60s. So if you want to learn about meditation and how to embrace more calm and balance and joy in your life and leave stress and guilt and overwhelm and all that stuff behind, I'm your girl. I will be sure that all of the show notes are, or all of those links to find you are in the show notes. But before I let you go, I do want to talk to you about one more thing uh, for our listeners and talk about being vulnerable in a book format and really shining the light on your personal story because before the uh, we started recording our podcast we were talking about this that sometimes it's like oh boy i'm really out there and once you're really out there you can't take it back you definitely can't and i had the night before my first book came out i was so excited and then i had a moment where i panicked and i'm like oh my god everyone is going to know all this stuff about me and i had to just say it's okay. This is me. This is my story. And I was, it felt really freeing actually, because I was ready to finally not hide and own who I am and how I got here and all the struggles. Um, I mean, going back to my dad, I asked my dad's permission um, before I wrote my book about the forgiveness chapter and all this stuff. You know, I asked his permission and I didn't want to hurt him and I wanted him to be okay with it. And, but like what he did is now part of my story. So I did ask his permission. He said it was fine. And then somehow when the book came out, he like forgot, he told me it was fine. (laughs) So there was a little friction there. We just had to work through that and you know, it blew over. Um, And so that was a little bit tough, but it it dissipated. And um, it's been very freeing to own my story and share it because the feedback I get when people read my books is that they feel connection, they feel that they can, you know, see themselves in a lot of the stories, and that the tools that I share have helped change their lives and the lives of their families. So I can't look back. I know it was the right thing. And I think you can't share half of you. You either have to share all of you or just be more private. And I'm not 
a private person. <laughs> so I just decided to put it all out there. Right. Which is great. And I mean, I've done the same thing with my book. So that's why we were talking about it. And it's, it's a really freeing, I think I definitely agree with you on that. And there was many moments where I've gone, Oh, was that the right thing to do? And then you get that one person who sends you the note who says this really touched my heart or this influenced me, or I use this tool that you suggested and it did this, you know, great thing. So I, I agree with you. I just, uh, you know, I, I think it's important even for our listeners to let us know, right. As authors, it's always good to hear that feedback in those stories because that's what carries us through. So, uh, awesome. Well, I am so glad that we got to chat. We've already shared where people can reach you. I encourage people to reach out to Allie Katz, get her uh, information. She's giving you away the free, uh, five day guided meditation challenge and the intuitive journal, which I'd like to try because I'm not sure if I, I, I don't, well, my intuition says try it. So you know what? I'll just try it and then I'll figure out if I'm missing some intuitive moments. All right. Thanks so much for being here. And until next time, uh, to our Resiliency Ninja listeners, uh, thanks so much. And don't forget to share, subscribe, write a review. Let us know how much you love listening to this. And uh, I will see you or talk with you next time in the next episode of Resiliency Ninja. Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Resiliency Ninja with Allison Graham. We are thrilled to have you as part of our community. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always connect with Allison at r-ninja.com and find important links to show notes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, embrace whatever obstacles come your way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.